0: The talk you're about to listen to is a presentation of Penn State Crew. To find out more about Penn State Crew or to find more talks, music, and videos, check out pennstatecrew.org. It is so awesome to work with Hannah. She is just full of energy, and I don't have that energy. I do not. I wish I did, but it's great. I love it. And I'm so thrilled that you guys are here tonight. So, quick show of hands, how many of you is this your first time at Penn State? First time ever at Penn State. Wow, ton of yeah. you. That's awesome, that's fantastic. Um, welcome, welcome to Penn State. You guys have made an excellent choice. I came to Penn State and I was so scared to start off. I was just petrified. I lost 15 pounds my first couple weeks. <clears throat> but then I got into community and it changed my life. Um, I was part of crew and it just altered uh, the direction. So I'm excited for you guys for your next four, five, six years here at Penn State. Um, but super excited for you. What I'm going to do tonight is I want to introduce you to what we're doing teaching-wise um, in this semester, um, and actually start digging in. We are all about the Bible here, and we want to help you think about the Bible and apply it to your life because um, we believe that um, that it's awesome. And it's what we want to do here. So and it, I'm going to start at the end. So the second half of our semester, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. It's a, a letter of Paul's, but we're only looking at Romans chapter 8. Actually, Josh, who is just up here, he's going to be leading a chunk of that section um, teaching us. And what's so exciting is that chapter in your Bible is probably one of the densest, richest chapters that exist in your whole Bible. I'm going to say that because I think it's true. It is the richest. If you studied that one alone and spent time in it, 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 you would be impacted deeply. It's all about the Holy Spirit, how it um, moves us, uh, how it changes us, how it causes us to live in freedom. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. That's in the second half. But what I want to kick off tonight, we're going to be in the book of Ruth. Um, and if you've read the book of Ruth, it is a story that is 3,000 years old. You might wonder, what the heck are we doing reading and looking at a book that's 3,000 years old. Um, This book, as I've read it, I've read it like a handful of times. It's only four chapters long. You could sit down and read it in 10 minutes. And we're just going to take six weeks to look at Ruth. And I think this story has incredible application to today. The Bible has relevance to our lives and to our world today in incredible ways because God speaks to us through it. He speaks to you and to me, and so um, if you do have a Bible and you brought it with you, grab it. If you don't, we're going to be passing out Bibles, Um, so just raise your hand if you want a Bible. We'd love for you to have a Bible. If you forgot to bring yours from home, you can grab one. This is our gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, please take one. Just throw your hand up there, and uh, eventually you'll get a Bible. Um, They're coming around also, we're not opposed to technology, so if you want to pull out your phone, you got the Bible on your phone, that's cool too. Um, but tonight, we're going to be in the book of Ruth, but we're just kicking it off. We're just going to look at one verse in Ruth, just a single verse. Because um, what I want to do is give you a background of what Ruth is all about. And then, in the coming weeks, we're going to flesh it all out. We're going to look at it in depth. Right. We've got a whole box of them. Just keep your hand up. You'll get one eventually. So, also, I think the text is on the screen, too. If you could pop that over, Ryan, that'd be great. Sweet. So, Ruth is actually closer to the beginning of your Bible. There's an index, usually, in the Bibles. You can look at that. But I think it's the seventh book, if you flip through. But this is what the first verse says of Ruth. Now, it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and with his two sons. Let me pray and we'll jump in. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for bringing each and every person here. Um, Lord, would you bless these students? Would you bless their time um, in classes as they study, as they take exams? as as they spend hours um, working, as they spend time with their friends and enjoying time here on campus. Lord, would you bless them good go before them? I pray that now you would open up our eyes to think well about Ruth. Would you be with us and would you guide us? Amen. All right, so I want to do three, three broad things. First, I want to give you a historical background to the book of Ruth. We're gonna, We're going to lodge it in its history. Second, we're going to talk briefly about the characters. And then third, I want to give you kind of the main idea of the book of Ruth um, and then that'll be it it'll be short um, but we'll have more time in future weeks to, s- to spend in each of these chapters so first historical setting in this passage it says that this was at a time when the judges judged when the judges governed and if you know anything uh, about this time period it was a time of political instability it was it no there was no undisputed power um, the Egyptians, the Philistines, the Canaanites, and the Israelites, they were all kind of jumping power to power. One time Israel was, in, was like in the power seat, then it was Egypt, then it was the Philistines. And so as you can imagine, um, e- even in uh, a, a place like Syria now um, where there's a lot of turmoil, this is what it would have been like, overthrow of power, um, a lack of knowing who's, who's in charge. It's chaos absolute chaos and it's during this time period that God used all that chaos all that stuff that was going on to teach his people something important to teach his um his people the things that he wanted to teach them and what I want to do is actually go through the cycle of what God was doing in this in this time period if you read the book of Judges which is what it's referring to um there's this cycle that happens and this applies not just to the book of Judges, but it applies to you and me as far as um, how we react and do things. So, first, God's people, when He brought them to Israel to Canaan, um, He had them conquer the land, and everything was great. But then the people started to sin; um, they started to fall into sin. And what God would do in the midst of that, um, He would recognize that He's been abandoned. They're turning to other gods. Um, they're doing things just the way they want to. A phrase that shows up in the Book of Judges again is, "Everyone did what was right in his own eye. Everyone just did whatever the heck they wanted." And in response to that, oppression happens. Um, that that came through those conquering nations. Those nations I just listed out. God would use those nations to oppress His people. They would conquer them. They would take over them, and they would they would be oppressed. Um, That's what would happen. And then next, what would happen is supplication. And that's just a fancy word of saying, please help me. God's people, when they were pressed by these nations, would cry out and say, would you help us, God? This is too heavy. This is too hard. Can you redeem us? Can you bring us out of it? And then on the upswing here, God would bring salvation. And what he would do to bring salvation is he'd raise a judge. He'd raise a conqueror who would then bring the nation out of this oppression and back into a place of rest. That's the top, where there was peace. And <clears throat> this happens in Judges. It happens 12 times this cycle. <clears throat> 12 times this thing happens. Rinse and repeat. They, g- they have rest, and what do the people do? They turn away from God, and God brings these nations again and again. All of this um, reminds me of my son Jacob. Jacob right now... He loves his one-year-old brother. He loves him so dearly, but he loves him like violently. Like gives him these bear hugs that I'm like, you can't do that, right? Um, and, and just holds him and squeezes him. He loves him so much. But again and again, I have to tell him again and again and again and again, and he doesn't get it. And the the nation of Israel just doesn't get it. They keep falling into this pattern again and again. It's true for me too. I fall into this pattern. But, what looks like chaos, right? If you think about it historically, these nations are vying for power. And if you look at the world now, right? the things that are happening across the globe, in russia, right um, in in right now in Turkey, the things that are happening, it looks like chaos. But the reality is God is orchestrating every move. He is in charge. And the story of Ruth occurs in the midst of one of these cycles. It occurs in the midst of, One of these times where God is actively moving um, for and and sometimes against his people. So that's the historical background. This is where we are. There's no king. None of that exists yet, um, which is what people think is the problem. We need a king. That's the historical context, right? So second, we want to talk about the characters. And I want to ask you guys a question, and I want you to shout it out here. Who is, this is the question when you think about, who is the central character of Ruth? In a group this size, I'm assuming there's a handful of you who've, who are familiar with the book of Ruth. So first, let's shout out, who are the possible candidates of the, of the central character in the story? Yeah, Ruth, that's a good one, good, good option. Next, stand. yeah, Naomi, who, so who is Naomi? The mother-in-law, Ruth is the daughter-in-law, right? Yeah, yeah, same deal. Right, Naomi is the mother-in-law of Ruth. Okay, any other candidates? Shannon. Boaz is is another good one, yes. Any others? God, yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. You throw that one up there. I'm going to roll that one out, though. Let's roll it out. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, okay, actually, there's really no other characters named in the book. That's it. Those are the characters um actually that, i lie there are a couple more characters but they're just they're gone they're dead in like a second um so so that those are the characters here's what i want you to do think about who's the central character and i'm gonna ask you this who am i gonna start with who thinks oh no don't pull it up yet um who thinks who thinks it's boaz two people Kyle, can you give us a, a reason? Why do you think it's Boaz uh, Yeah Yeah, that's good. Boaz, I think, is a strong candidate he's that he does play very similar roles to Jesus, yeah, okay, who's with Ruth? Nobody. Dan? Why why do you say Ruth? Yeah. And it's named after her, hint-hint, right? <laughs> okay, so who's Naomi? Is that the rest of you? Naomi? Or too scared to vote? That's fine too. So so who picked Naomi? I'd love to hear one person say like, oh yeah, this is why I think, Naomi. Anyone brave enough? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Megan. Megan just shared that it was Naomi who was giving good advice to Ruth and passing it on. So before I studied it, Well, I mean, before I looked at it, like Ruth, of course it's Ruth. That's the main character. Then when I read it, I actually was like, oh, it's got to be Boaz. He's the Jesus figure in the story. I was totally like, it's Boaz for sure. But now after studying it, I think it's actually Naomi. Um, She is the central figure of the story. And here's why. Here's two reasons why. One, it starts, the book starts with Naomi and ends with Naomi. The central crisis in the story is Naomi's crisis. She is part of a family that has left uh, Israel. She's left Israel because there's a famine, and it is her family that all dies out. Her family, her husband dies, her two boys die, and she's only left with two um, daughter-in-laws. And Hannah's going to flesh this out next week about what that looked like. And and but at the end of the story, you see God bring her to a place of fullness. She comes from a place of famine. And by the end of the book, it's a place of fullness. The second thing is sometimes if you do like a word count, you know, just see how many, how often does a word show up? It lets you know how important that thing is. Ruth shows up 12 times in the story. She actually is the least. Next is Boaz with 18 times his name is mentioned. But the last is Naomi, and her name shows up 21 times. So I think, um, I think each of them have a key role to play in the story, But it's really about Naomi. And that was a great, that was really great though. What about God? You know, isn't God the central character? Oh, here's the thing. He only shows up twice in the story. Only two times he actively moves. But here's my challenge to you. From now till next week, read the book of Ruth. And here's what I want you to look at. I want you to see how God hides himself and how he shows up. His presence is everywhere. But he's hidden. Read it and look for that because this is what I think the point of the book is is that God works in the midst of our lives when we don't see him. When we don't notice that he's there, he moves in the midst of mundane, ordinary, normal things. God is in the grain. He's in, he's in the midst of um, going to class, eating your lunch. He's in the midst of life moments. He's there. His hand is in this book from beginning to end. What he does is he uses events to teach his people um, to bring us to something really, really incredible. So in the nation of Israel, what Ruth does is it spans the time of chaos where there's no king, right? These judges get raised and then they dissipate. Um, And Israel, what they want is a king. And so God is slowly bringing them from a place of chaos to a place where there's a king. And this book ends... Naomi is the great-great-great-grandmother of who? Do you know? David, King David. And this book draws the gap between this place of chaos to a place where God wants to lead through a king and their stability, right? And, and that's how he works in our lives too. He does that again and again. What we're going to see in this book is Naomi and Ruth impacted by God through a community, through a group of people, through the laws that those people hold to and by individuals who have principles that have grown out of those laws. All of this, uh, all of that reflecting God's character, who he is. What Hannah was saying about image bearer, when we become the image bearers that God meant us to be, when we are that, we produce what God, God's fruit, what he wants to have happen in the world. That is why Christian community is so important. Naomi and Ruth experience Christian community that follows God, that does incredible things, and they, God Im- incredibly blesses them through it in insane ways. And we're going to tease out that stuff in the coming weeks. Um, but i want you to know that that's true that's not just true like hey if you're here at crew that god's going to use this but he he is active in the local churches that we listed out earlier he's active in the other great christian clubs that are here on campus god moves through christian groups and I, and i want to look at one more verse with you guys from acts because i want to press home the reality that god's hand invisible as it might have been or you might have seemed it might have seemed to you is on you specifically on you you are not here by accident at all so this passage from Acts uh, 17 Paul says this he says speaking of God that he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that they would seek God If perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. We live in him. We breathe in him. It is because of God that we exist. We are made in his image. But check this. He says that he has designated and appointed your time, and he has created the boundary places of where you live. That means... Your appointed time right now it's the 21st century. He chose for you to live at this moment. Aren't you glad it wasn't the medieval times, right? This time is is a pretty good time to live right now, isn't it? You might think there's a better time, but he is appointed for you to live in the 21st century with its own flaws and its own things, right? But he appointed that. Your boundary right now of habitation, Penn State. You are here. He brought you here, and he did that specifically for a reason, hopefully, You're still here in two weeks, right? Yeah, that'll be true for all of you. Um, But things happen in life, right? He is near you right now. God is incredibly close to you. It would actually be kind of mind-boggling if you knew. Some of you may have already sensed the presence of God in your life, whether that's through you've gone through some difficult tragedy And you felt that he was near you. He kind of revealed himself to you or uh, made himself known. Or you know he prevented you. There's some weird uncanny thing that happened in your life or some circumstance. You're like supernaturally. That had to have been God. So some of you have experienced the lifting uh, behind the curtain. That God is at work intricately in your life. Some of you may not have experienced that at all. Your life has just been normal. It's just happened and I want to say the reality is God is just as intricately working in your life as he is in others, even though you haven't experienced it or seen it. He often does it, n- does it through normal occurrences, but floods it with extraordinary, um, with extraordinary things. I want to contrast that. So um, when Emma was born six years ago, almost seven years ago, um, we were sitting in the hospital just amazed at the marvel of childbirth. Childbirth blows my mind, but this is how, Hannah, I don't, yeah, have fun with that. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> childbirth is insane. We had our third kid, and I walked out of the room. I'm like, how are babies made this way? This is nuts. But anyway, we're sitting in the bed, and sweet Emma, who's just been born, is, is laying in this little thing, and, and, and Joanna and I, we like to read books together. I read out loud. We still do this. It's so fun. But we had just finished a book, and I picked up a new book, Lord of the Rings. We're going to bang through Lord of the Rings. And does anyone know how Lord of the Rings begins? How does the story start? Anyone know? It's a birthday. Whose birthday is it? Bilbo. Not just Bilbo. Who else? Frodo. They share a birthday, the 111th birthday, right? 111th birthday, and I'm reading the story. We just cracked it open. I got this freaking fat, um, it's all in one compendium book. And I, and I open it, and we start reading about this birthday, and I freeze. Because as I'm reading down the page, it doesn't just, they're just, it doesn't just talk about their celebration, but I, I, my eye scans the date of their celebration. You know what the date was? September 22nd the day my daughter was born. Is that not freaking insane? I was like, what the heck is this? The chances, right, that my daughter shares a birthday with Bilbo and Frodo, (laughs) fictional characters, I know. Um, But what the, the, okay, there's that, right? Okay, and that happens. Someone's gonna have the September 22nd birthday. Don't freak out. But I'm sitting there. I could have read all kinds of books. I read that book, that page. And it it, it was just revealed to me. There's a God. I don't know what that means. I just know, like, God was there. Like, wow, this is incredible. Um, I've never had quite such moments. I've had a few, like, minor moments. But and I seriously, I don't know. Maybe she's going to go on some great journey. Maybe she's going to have hairy feet when she's older. I don't know. (laughs) But I sensed the reality that God, he just let me know. Little nudge, I'm here. And every now and again, he does that, right? Little nudge, I'm here, I'm here. I orchestrate your life. The other day, uh, jo- Joanna, she was studying Ruth too, but she was just thinking about where was God in the midst? We, we went through like a difficult time um, with some circumstances a, a, a little while ago, and she was kind of wondering, how did God meet our needs in that? Where was he in the midst of that? And as she was praying, you know what she came to as an answer? a list of people who were there for us, who cared for us, who loved us. And she had this moment there where she's like, God was there with us the whole time. By a caring, loving community that, um, that he provided for us to get us through that time. And It's incredible. So sometimes it's these moments that you're like, what the heck just happened? And then sometimes, I'm telling you, it's the normal, mundane, us loving and caring for each other the normal circumstances of life. God is actively moving in your life. I I even think about creation, right? God speaks the world into existence, and we kind of think of that as some aloof God who does that. The reality is no. If you read the creation story, what does God do when he creates? He actually puts his hands into the earth, and he forms you and me. He gets his hands dirty, he forms us out of the dust. With his own hands, he makes us. Even though I didn't see that happen with any of my kids, God didn't do that, but yet he was intricately, in intricately creating all my kids, making them, and he breathes his own breath into us. That's what he did with the dirt. He breathes his own essence into them. That's the, that's the one thing I want you to catch from, from Ruth as we study, is he's intimately involved in his creation, which means he's intimately involved with you. Um, I want to pray for us uh, to close out. Before I do, there are going to be some students up front. Um, is that where they're going to be? Yeah, thanks. So um, we love to pray. We love to pray with each other. We love to get prayed for. So if you want prayer tonight, um, please seek out these students um, and get prayed over. One thing I challenge you, challenge you to get prayed over for, um, or even as you, as you go back to your dorms, is to pray that God would reveal himself. The ways that he's cared for you. The ways that he's loved you. Um, the ways that he has surrounded you with people who care about you. Um, you might even think about your parents. Maybe not your parents. Maybe maybe someone else. Or maybe honestly, you just need to pray, Lord, you I don't think you've done much good in my life at all. Can you explain that? Or can you, ta- can you sit with me in that and talk with me about that? Um, but but pray and think about those things. Um, Let me pray and the worship band will come up and lead us out. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who loves us so deeply, that you have been involved in each and every one of our lives to bring us to this point, to this place, and that you have something for us in the midst of this place. The talk you have just listened to is a presentation of Penn State Crew. Crew is a community where the gospel captures hearts, transforms lives, and launches men and women into a lifelong adventure with Jesus Christ. To find out more about Penn State Crew or to find more talks, music, and videos, check out PennStateCrew.org. That's PennStateCRU.org. This talk is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, Non Commercial, No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. You are free to copy and distribute this talk to others, as long as you do not do it for commercial purposes or alter, transform, or build upon this talk in any way.